<laughs> this 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 signals the end of um of like the um intensive human labor aspect of southern agriculture at this point um with the ability to um to have an automated process for doing that all these generations of people bent over picking cotton for 16 hours a day are all of a sudden replaced which means of course that those people in the south white and black whether they're in appalachia or whether in mississippi or they're in texas all of a sudden guess what they're not needed anymore by the big landowners they're not needed to be tenant farmers any longer so they get proletarianized one more example of people being kicked off the land in, through the revolutionization of capitalist agriculture and those people of course whether they're appalachians or whether they're black americans uh flood into the cities because where else are you going to go if you're yeah. a proletarian now you've been living on the land for generations there's no fucking work there you don't have your means of subsistence you're not going to live off the little yeah. garden so you're going to flood into the cities and the post-war period as there's a growing massive fordist industrial system rising in the united states yep it's the perfect oh, it's, oh what a coincidence there's all these factories that need people to work in them you can do that now the uh, Great Migration, it's called, yes. right? I mean, we talk a lot about, um, how shall I say this delicately? There was a pull and there was a yeah. push factor. We talk about Jim Crow, which was, a, as we know, a, a disgusting, brutal system of racial caste system that existed in the South. That was one part of the the. The, the issue is that coming back from World War II, black Americans saw they didn't have to live like this under a racial caste system anymore and started to fight for their freedom, fight to destroy segregation and Jim Crow. But another huge impetus, and there's always behind it an economic impetus, is that agricultural, especially black agricultural labor in the South, is becoming mm -hmm. redundant. The people are being thrown off of the cotton farms because they're not needed yeah. anymore. So there's like this double pull factor. That exists. Yes, yeah, there, there, there's the, the naked coercion and then the market hand suddenly pulling. And it's a and it's a heroic struggle that, of course, ends in the victory of the civil rights movement, right? But who knows if if um, southern um, capitalist agriculturalists had still needed all that black and white labor to bend over for twelve to sixteen hours a day? Would this would would the similar have worked out i'm not sure because we saw in the past that capitalists will fight ruthlessly in order to keep control over a captive labor population yeah. no that that losing that control is is a huge uh concession that is only done under uh the, the most uh dramatic circumstances yeah especially because the south too all right, now we're now we're getting into like classic history as a weapon territory here. It wasn't just that all these people were being proletarianized out from capitalist agriculture. It was also as the post-war period goes on, you start to see factories of the north um, getting sick of all those, you know, those militant working classes there, uh, first going out to the Midwest, but then going into the anti-union mm -hmm. South. And so the South, the politicians and the capitalists started seeing an industrial future which they hadn't seen before the tennessee valley authority had electrified the south you have all this infrastructure down there well all of these agricultural workers aren't needed anymore but here come the yeah. factories so it changes the whole face of the south which had been horribly underdeveloped because of these sort of pre non-capitalist um sort of uh 
means of profiting that, that existed yeah. before. So a funny thing happens in 1979. You still have millions of family farms. Like to the extent that petty, petty commodity production in agriculture still existed as an American dream, and it did. Politicians talked about the heartland all the time. There are massive subsidies to keep these farmers in existence. There was part of like the the heritage of America was to understand ourselves as farmers and, and workers, there was that right even into the post and there period. was even still some uh, farmer militancy in this. In during the Carter administration, there was a uh, a tractor march on Washington to protest uh, agricultural policy. Collective uh, direct yeah. action on the part of, uh, mm-hmm. of farmers. Um, but you all know this story that uh, we've told before in 1979. Something called the Volcker shock happens. The Volcker shock, of course, is Carter's um, secretary. Federal, Federal Reserve, Reserve chairman. Yeah, Federal Reserve chairman. Uh, raising interest, interest rates incredibly making it much more difficult uh, to get credit and really um, cooling off the economy in a very shocking type way. Um, What happens to industry, we know, because Reagan comes in and kind of ratifies this in 1981. But nobody really talks about the farm crisis. We talk about like the urban crisis in America. We talk about deindustrialization all the time. But nobody seems to talk about the farm crisis, which seems like a pretty big piece Mm -hmm. of the puzzle to me. Like part of what neoliberalism is, people like to throw that shit around all the time, is it's like a way of using markets in order to get social outcomes, to the creation mm-hmm. of markets, right? And the trying to increase the discipline of the markets on people and, uh, and taking away public support for it. What happened to the farms was mm-hmm. neoliberalism. When the interest rates came up, went up, Farmers who had been already having a tough time because of mechanization and uh, just difficulties of expanding their plot and uh, prices fluctuating up and down in uh, commodity exchanges, farmers who had already been having a fine a hard time, all of a sudden when the interest rate goes up to fucking twelve percent, they're cut off yeah. from credit through the yeah and, and go ahead. no that yeah that that this whole thing is fueled by credit and as soon as it becomes too dear it, the 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 mechanism just breaks down and 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 uh and it is no longer a viable economic uh endeavor to be a small farmer but people are still there (laughs) and then they and they're still there with yeah in in a ruin in a economic in a in a place where there is no economic engine uh so the only real economic activity is just subsidy from outside of the system uh everybody there depended to some degree or another on uh, uh, recirculation of capital from outside in the form of uh, like up to and including uh, like disability insurance and things like that. But things are also deindustrializing at the same time. So like as this, this like uh, threshold of renewal, you know, starts to, to come due for these farmers, it turns out that a lot of the, the jobs that they even could get don't even exist anymore as millions of uh, factories are lost in rural areas and elsewhere. So you have entire, and we know this is the case to today because we talked about at the top, and I think people out there know a bit about rural poverty and how intensive and and miserable it could be, right? But just entire swaths of the quote-unquote heartland, like what politicians and people on TV like to call the heartland of the country, denuded 
of all ability to sell people's labor power. All, of course, the, 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 the means of production are dispossessed from them too. And you have large agribusiness coming up and taking control over an industry that had been, you know, at least somewhat petty proprietary until that time. Yeah. So it's first it's the disability. Some people try to get jobs at like service sector jobs, but by the 1990s, a similar thing is happening in small towns and rural areas, which is that a series of small businesses in the downtown strip are being replaced by one giant mm -hmm. box store, by a Walmart, right? And so you see a mass exodus, like millions of people leave the country and they go to like smaller cities around the nation and other people lose their farms and they're just left mm -hmm. to rot for like a generation and a half. And then we look at, you know, people, oh, that Trump came out of nowhere. Trump came out of nowhere. It's not to say that he had a solution to the farmer problem, right? He probably did mention farmers, but nobody has a solution now. You're not going to do land reform and get these people all their land back from the agricultural, yeah. <laughs> you know, monopolists out there. But Trump, oh, he comes out of nowhere. Can you believe? Like, there have been millions of people who have been sitting there waiting for somebody to tell them that they don't have to, like... They don't have to be poor and that they're worth something for, yeah. for decades at that point. And it's, of course, completely contentless. But in a world where all orthodox political figures are totally constrained from even bringing it up, uh, it's, gonna, it's going to hit differently. And whatever other like cultural reactionary currents are being activated, and those are real, there is also this promise that it seemed like it had been foreclosed of changing the relationship here of 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 stopping the flow outward and to and creating like domestic productive capacity uh but it right. was there was no co there was no content to it because uh there was no uh constituency of power in the republican party to carry that out you can't go back in yeah. time right like this is what you know we, we talk about the the rules for reproduction of a particular uh socio um, of like a, a private property regime that exists. We saw what happened in the 1960s and 70s when a bunch of burnout hippies tried to go back to the land and do subsistence yeah. again. It didn't fucking work. That moment, that phase of capitalist production has gone bye-bye. Yeah. You can't not be pulled into the commodity nexus. We saw that already in the 1830s and 40s in the midst of like this movement from independent household production to petty commodity production and farming, when the Mormons and these utopian socialists were offering some sort of solution to this, the, this process of dispossession for these farmers and process of market discipline. They were trying to give a, a solution for these people that was a collective mm -hmm. one. You can't go back in time. And so you, you feel for the people that, that have been dispossessed over the last generation or two, right? But just Trump couldn't do it. Yeah, but it's could? impossible. What solution is there yeah, to this it problem? Can't, it it's can't impossible. be done. So all you have left are uh, former people who formerly owned their means of production in a farm being dispossessed of that. And they become like the rest of us proletarians. Yep. Now you're out in the labor market to sell your labor power. Better not stay in that... that uh, that town in Iowa, because I don't know what the hell you're going to do. So I guess try to travel around and find what you can. It's um, it's a very brutal, brutal process. Yeah, that's why. And like we can. One of the only uh, uh, ameliorative policies I've seen anyone propose to deal with 
this problem that isn't you know just lying about bringing the jobs back uh, is giving people subsidies to move. That that's it. That's all right. anyone can think to do. Like here's here's your voucher to get the fuck out of here. And who who are the assholes who are talking about the rural crisis? It's JD yeah. Vance, right? JD Vance. Uh, and people who are like the miners and decoders thing, which is such a cliche right now. The only people talking about this crisis for working class people in these like forgotten areas are neoliberal scumbags, mm-hmm. right? Who are and, and venture capitalists and politicians like Trump or others who are trying to use these people as political pawns because they're hoping for some way, possibly, you know, to break out of this nexus of. Um, I don't know, poverty, immiseration, substance abuse, death of, deaths of despair, the suicide rate has gone up tremendously. In the last, since 2017, another 100,000 family farms have been lost in yeah. the country, right? This is on top of all the other crises. So, like, the only people who are, are there to talk about it are the people who either try to bait these proletarians, these newly proletarianized people with some sort of pie in the sky thing about tariffs on China and, you know, building a wall or whatever, or people like J.D. Vance who say it's a culture of poverty, right? It's a culture of despair as though there were these world historical processes that just sucked the fucking life out of these communities and left millions upon millions of destitute people. Yeah. And no, no extant political current to direct their discontent anywhere other than uh, into the reactionary spectacle. Right. Well, what do you have left? Yeah. What do you have left besides reactionary spectacle and mega yeah. churches and resentment? I mean, people are like, oh, they're so these people are so backwards. These were, you know, 40 years ago, those upright, virtuous uh, neoliberal subjects who owned their own fucking farms out there. And then look what capital did to them. And now you're going to blame them for their yeah. position and, and call them ra- racist, right? Call them reactionary and backwards. They might be. Well, those well what's things, amazing right? is that it's, it's the, the, shouldn't the way this stuff concentrates tell you that these things are mostly demographically determined? And if that's the case, how the hell can you uh, freight this stuff with mor- moralism? you're literally talking about happenstance of where you grew up, which is more likely to determine like your political identity than anything. Well, and now we, we circle completely back around again. We circle around to this question that we started, we started this episode with, which is how is it that a 70, 1776 or a 1788 vision of what being American means, being a citizen means in this country. How is it that this, um, this dream of self-sufficiency and independence, which is not just, not just been eroded over the last 50 or 60 years, but with the bankruptcy of all these small businesses during the COVID crisis being like eliminated as a possibility for people, how is it that that American dream of owning, you know, your your means of production in a petty bourgeois way, producing for yourself with a small business of the farm. It's, it's so tantalizing for people still. There's something about that aspect of Americanism that you saw in the, you know, before America in the 1750s and 60s that has huge purchase today, but only to the detriment of trying to create a sort of politics that could deal with this shit. Yeah, it's it's absolutely inhibitory. It's it's it is a fucking uh, virus in our in our software 
And if there is going to be any kind of meaningful uh, uh, like mobilization in response to this this new stage of like full uh, 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 precarity, this like universalizing precarity that's replaced any possibility of anybody feeling like they're actually in charge of their lives, that that the uh, the contradiction at the heart of that project. It's going to have to be overcome. And the Civil War was a, a glimpse of a different way of conceiving of liberty and a different way of organizing political structures around citizenship uh, that is capacitory and the implications of having a fully capacious citizenship and how that, that means that, oh, liberty is not freedom from uh, some sort of uh, uh, any any kind of intercourse with anybody else. It's actually in, it re- freedom requires interdependence. And it's meaningless without it, and so politics is going to have to transcend our 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 constitutional conceptions of liberty. And if and if capital can no longer provide the seventeenth eighteenth century dream.